Lord, we thank you for gathering us again this morning. Lord, we thank you for your precious and prevailing blood. Oh, here as we gather around your word, oh, concerning this matter of praying at the incense altar, we do pray that you will open up this precious matter to us. Lord, make us your intercessors on the earth. Lord, echoing you to give you an unhindered free way to execute your divine administration on this earth, to anoint the word this morning, grant us all a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, that we may enter into what you want, what you want us to see, what you want us to experience at this hour. Amen. Well, dear saints, we uh, will continue uh, from our fellowship yesterday. Uh, on this wonderful subject of praying at the incense altar for the formation of the army to fight for God's move on earth. Um, truly, uh, prayer is the most central thing, central matter in God's heart these days. Uh, as Brother Lee said, uh, especially concerning praying at the incense altar, he said that uh, this matter of the incense altar is the greatest matter in the whole universe, and nothing is more central than this. And I hope that uh, as we are living these days in this um, pandemic situation, uh, with a lot of uh, upheaval, uh, chaos, unrest, uh, a lot of conflicts, days of uh, uh, limitations, we will realize that God has a desire to gain a corporate people on the earth who learn how to pray to him, who will be his intercessors on the earth. Nothing is more crucial to God than this matter these days. As I said yesterday, if nothing else God can gain through this pandemic, except for this one prayer, this matter of prayer, that would be marvelous. That would be marvelous. So I hope that we would seize this opportunity as we are uh, before him, considering this uh, great, great matter, that we would really give the Lord away to gain us, to perfect us, to be the man of prayer, to be his intercessors on the earth so that we can, by our intercession uh, at the incense altar, we can activate, we can motivate God's will on the throne that he can move freely. We are indeed living in the final hours of this age. We are not far from the end, but in order for the end to come, there has to be such intercessors. And as we'll even see, we'll see today, such intercession will bring forth, will issue in the formation of the army to join with Christ when he comes back to fight against Satan and his Antichrist and his army, which is very much needed. So this is, um, uh, I feel this is a very uh, 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 rich subject. And also I realize it is a deep subject, but we should not push this off to think this is too deep for me, uh, 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 too un unattainable. No, uh, it is in the word that God wants us all to enter in at this particular, particular hour. Uh, ordinary prayers, just common prayers will not suffice. I know there has been Christians uh, praying all through the generations. and But these final days, God wants a particular kind of prayer, the prayer at the incense altar, as shown to us in Revelation chapter 8. I mentioned that uh, that record of the prayer offered with the incense to God, recorded in Revelation 8, is the final record of such prayer by God's people and in connection to the execution of God's administration on the throne. 
that is a tremendous, tremendous matter. <coughs> so we are not at the time uh, uh, of the Old Testament for sure, neither are we at the time of the gospel uh, or the time of the epistles. Today we are at the time of revelation and we are in the days of revelation and very close to the end of this age. What is our responsibility? So this matter of prayer, uh, I believe, is central, deep in the heart of our God. And I hope the Lord will use this environment that we are in to bring us all into this kind of a life. Prayer is not an activity. Prayer is not just something that we just do. Prayer is a life. Prayer is a living. Prayer even has to become a person. So um, uh, yesterday in message one, we saw uh, the significance of this incense altar and the prayer offered there. Now today in this message, second message, we want to go on to see the application and also the issue of such prayer at the incense altar. How do we apply this? This, um, uh, the matter of the incense altar is, is profound, is rich. And how do we apply this in our daily life? And it is, it is actually very applicable. We should be able to experience this every day in our Christian life, in our church life, and also we need to see there is a, a result, there is a, uh, an issue uh, by our praying to him in this way. Now, uh, the first Roman numeral <clears throat> is on our cooperation with Christ in his ministry of intercession. Prayer uh, is probably the most mysterious matter in terms of practice revealed in the Bible. Um, uh, why does God want us to pray while he knows everything? He can do everything. We saw yesterday that Christ is the intercessor today, sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for us in the heavens. But yet he is, as the spirit, he comes in, to help us in our weakness. And because we don't know what to pray for as we ought, and he, te- he is teaching us, helping us to pray in response to him. He will not want to be the only one praying in the heavens. I'm sure his prayer is powerful, is effective. But he wants men on the earth to respond to him, to give him an utter responsiveness. And this is the principle that God has been keeping since the day of his creation. He wants man's cooperation. He wants man's response. And he would rather even be limited by man's response. If man does not respond, he would rather wait. He will slow down. He would be held back. But God, God is patient. God is... um, um uh, uh he is uh, uh he, he 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 is patient with us <clears throat> he wants to wait for man's cooperation and it is clearly in the word again and again that god wants man to pray god wants man to intercede on the earth as he is interceding there in the heavens he needs our cooperation this is a crucial matter and uh you know, in Isaiah 59, verse 16, that it tells us that Jehovah was appalled that there were no intercessors on the earth. That um, uh, he saw that there was no man, and he was appalled that there was no intercessor. God was surprised why there are no intercessors on the earth. 
there no man on the earth that will render him the utter, utter, utter responsiveness. Many Christians, they do pray, Lord, come back, Lord Jesus. But if you were God, you would consider the situation, then you would say, well, what should I come back for? Who will, who will be there when I come back to respond to me? Jehovah was appalled at no, where are the intercessors? Who are the ones who will sympathize with me? They are ones who ask me this and that, to give him this and that, to help her this and that. But no one intercedes with me. Interceding is what? Intercession, we saw, is a interference. It's an, is to interfere before God on behalf of others benefit. It is not praying just a general kind of prayer on our own matters for our own benefit. It is an intercession, it's an intervening, interfering on behalf of others before God. Who are doing this? Jehovah was appalled. Where are the intercessors? He needs our cooperation. Now let's go on to point A. In order to pray at the incense altar, we must take a divine tour of the tabernacle. Remember the the diagram we saw yesterday, the location of the incense altar. The incense altar is not uh, out in the open field somewhere by itself or standing or or placed on on a hill. The incense altar is within the tabernacle. And is to, in order to get there, you have to pass through different layers, different sections. So you don't just go straight to the incense altar. So we say that there is a tour, there is a journey, there is a path that we have to take. This incense altar is actually in the very heart, in the very center of the tabernacle. We saw the picture yesterday. There is the outer court where there is the altar and the laver. And then there is the actual tabernacle divided into two sections, the holy place where there are the lamp, the showbread table, the bread of God's, of his presence, and also the lampstand, the golden lampstands. And, and then the ark and then the, uh, in, the incense altar very close to the ark. And then you have the, the innermost section, and that is the Holy of Holies, where there is only one piece of furniture, that is the ark. And between the ark and the incense altar, there is the veil there, separating. But they are very close to each other. So in order to go to the incense altar to pray, you have to pass through the different stations or different layers we have to take this divine journey, divine tour of the tabernacle. And I have to tell you, brothers and sisters, this, is a, this, this actually shows us a very practical way for us to uh, practice coming to pray at the incense altar. We can all do this every day. I do this every day. I did it this morning. I took a tour this morning and began the tour from the first piece of first station, which is the bronze altar, the burnt offering altar, and the outer court, and then to enter in station by station. Let's go on. Let's go see number one. We first come to the altar of the burnt offering where we experience the blood and the fire. You know, the, the, in this tabernacle, there are two altars. In the outer court, there is the burnt offering altar, which is made of bronze. That is where all the sacrifices were offered. The sin offering, the burn offering were offered for sin, mostly. And then there is the golden, the incense altar, which is made of gold on the other end. And in the, in the uh, deepest part there in the holy place. Actually, uh, these two, these two altars, um, they are closely related to each other. Actually, in the Bible, if you read Exodus 30, Exodus 40, verses 5 and 6, um, when God described all these pieces of furniture, 
he put the golden incense altar and the burnt offering altar. He mentioned them together, even though in location one these two are far apart from each other. But in God's mention, He mentioned these two altars together. And then in Psalm eighty eighty four verse three, which is a um, uh, you know a, 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 a psalm that is really uh, enjoyed by many of us, um, that concerning uh, uh, God's house, God's tabernacle. In verse three, it says, "At your two altars, even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young." So the psalmist again brought these two altars together, mentioned the two altars. These, the the two altars. If we want to go to the golden incense altar, we have to start with the burnt offering altar, the bronze altar in the outer court. You cannot start right there in the incense altar. How are they related? Well, here we mentioned we must. Uh, um, uh, where we experience at the at the at the burnt offering altar, we experience the blood and the fire. The bronze altar is where we offer the sacrifice, the sin offering, the trespass offering. Christ has all the offerings. The crucified Christ is being experienced there as our sacrifice for us to experience the the, the blood was shed there. In the, at the bronze altar, and you know that blood will be is also being brought into the holy place to be sprinkled on the four corners, on the four corners of that golden incense altar, and that blood even on the day of atonement being brought all the way into the holy of holies, sprinkled upon the propitiation cover over the ark. So that blood goes all the way. The blood shed on the altar of burnt offering is brought to the golden incense altar and even sprinkled upon the ark. And also, there is the fire. What about the fire? Well, as the priest placed the offering upon the wood on that burnt offering altar, fire descends. From the heaven, that is not strange fire. That is a holy fire. No one can light those offerings. It's the fire from heaven, and that's why we are charged in uh, Leviticus uh, that we should never let that fire go out. That fire is a holy fire. It's the source is in the heaven. And you know, after the the offering was placed there, and fire came down, consuming the offering, and the priest to go into the uh, incense altar, he carried a censer, a like a vessel, a container, golden censer, and filled that censer with the fire from that altar, and he brought that censer with the fire into the holy place. To come before the golden incense altar, it was a fire that was experienced at the burnt offering altar, and is being brought to the incense to the incense altar to become the fire that burns the incense. So the the priest would put incense uh, on into that uh, uh, in the censer with the fire burning, and the incense will produce the smoke. And the smoke ascends to the throne, to to God's throne. And when God smells, had the fragrance of that smoke, then He was pleased, He was satisfied, and He executes His divine administration. So, without the fire from the burnt offering altar, we will have nothing to burn incense with. So, <clears throat> we have to start. At the burnt offering altar, we come to the Lord every morning first to confess our sins, to take Him as our sin offering, our bur- our burnt offering, our trespass offering, peace offering, meal offering, 
right? He is so is so enjoyable. We can begin the day by laying our hands on our on our Christ, who is the reality of all these offerings, and we experience the fire burning, the blood shed to redeem us, cleanse us. But also, we have the fire burning within us because of our enjoyment of these offerings. Then the second point. Then we must go on to experience the lambs, the the bread on the table for life supply. So then we uh, go into the tabernacle first. We have the uh, showbread table, where which signifies Christ as our life supply. We need to be fed. No one. Who can who comes to the golden incense altar to pray is hungry. Everyone must be a satisfied, filled, filled priest. He has to handle but be fed at the at the showbread table and join Christ as the satisfying bread of life to uh, uh, to be to be said to be to fill him. We know. The bread there signifies the word of God, right? Uh, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of God's, God's mouth. So as we feed on his word, after we confess our sins, after we apply the blood, we, op- we, we open our being to the Lord, and we open up his word, and we pray, read, and we begin to chew, to eat a few verses, and inwardly we are supplied. And as we are being supplied, then we also experience the second, another station. We proceed to the lampstand to receive Christ as light. So on the one hand, as we come to the word, we are being fed, we are being supplied. And at the same time, we are also being shined on. We are being enlightened. God speaks to us. In Psalm 119, we are told that his word is the light at our feet, the lamp in our path. So every time we come to the word, on the one hand, we are being supplied, we are being fed, and at the same time, we are being enlightened, right? Everyone who comes to burn incense is no is not in darkness. We are in the light. We are enlightened within. We are fed within. Then let's go on, number four. Following that, we go to the ark, which signifies Christ as God's testimony, which is versus our natural being. <clears throat> so. Now we know that uh, the incense altar is the actually um, uh, is the other piece of furniture in the holy place, but yet we don't go there first. We actually, we after enjoying the bread, after enjoying the light, we go straight into the holy of holies to enjoy Christ as the ark, which is signifies Christ as the testimony of God. In the holy place, we <clears throat> we still enjoy something of Christ the supply of Christ, the, the light of Christ. But we, when we enter into the Holy of Holies, we enjoy Christ himself. He is the center of God's testimony. In the, in the, in the, uh, 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 in the Holy of Holies, there's just the ark there. There's no light. There's no artificial light. There's no lampstand. And there's no nothing outwardly displayed there to feed us. The manna was hidden inside the ark, in the in the golden pot. Here, Christ is the center of God's economy. He is God's testimony. Where this stage, after we enjoy something of Christ as our supply, being enlightened by Him, we inwardly we are filled with Him, and we are in in the tabernacle. We are in Him, and then as we proceed further, we realize that. Our self is gone. Our flesh is terminated. Here, Christ is everything. Here, we are actually in the spirit, in the Holy of Holies, where Christ himself is being experienced and enjoyed by us. Christ is everything. Now, we don't, need only, we don't only need something of Christ. Here, Christ is everything to us. Then, number five says, after we come to the ark, we need to come back to the incense altar, which stands by itself as a turning point. Don't forget, the uh, incense altar is very close, placed very close 
to the ark, separated by a veil. And as we saw yesterday, actually functionally speaking, the incense altar is considered to be something that belonged to the to the to the innermost sanctuary, the holy of holies. So as we come to as we take our tour, we pass through all these layers, all these stations, we finally arrive at our destination, which is the golden incense altar. We have to, in one sense, we come back, but actually in, the, in another sense, it's not. We finally arrive at our destination. And here, this is a turning point. So this golden incense altar is not a piece of furniture along the way that we pass through. No, it is the final destination. And it stands by itself as a turning point. And it governs, as we saw yesterday, this incense altar makes every piece of furniture in the tabernacle effective. It is the turning point. It makes everything works. It is the motor. It is the dynamite of the entire tabernacle, the moving triune God. So every day morning, I would encourage brothers and sisters, take your tabernacle tour. It may only take you 10, 15 minutes for you to arrive at this final destination. But it's so good. Every day we can actually come to the incense altar by beginning from the burnt offering altar, station by station, entering into the tabernacle, enjoy the life supply, enjoy the light of life, and then enjoy Christ himself as God's testimony. Then you are ready. You are here in God and God is in you, you are here, you become an intercessor. You are here at the golden incense altar. Okay, I better move on. Then B says, praying in God and with God in us. Everyone who prays, who participates in the genuine prayer, realize this is this has to be so, that we have to pray not in ourselves, We cannot be praying in ourselves or outside of God. Genuine prayers must be prayed in God and with God in us. After passing through this tour of the tabernacle, we find ourselves in God, right? We are not just in the open field somewhere anymore. You are in the tabernacle, which signifies the incarnated God. We are in him. And also by feeding on him as the offerings and as the showbread, God is in us. We cannot pray as just out of our, our zeal, out of our some thoughts that we have, expressing what we want to tell God what, what, what we want him to do. That is not prayer. That is just man trying to bring the shopping list to God, tell God, do this for me, uh, uh, make this right, give me this. No, that's not prayer. That is, you are just making your, this is your, your, you are requesting something from yourself to God. Genuine prayer is, like Andrew Murray said, is true. It is the Christ in us praying to the Christ in the heavens. Every genuine intercessor must be one who is in God and also to have God in them. And see, burning Christ as the incense by praying Christ. Here, this is a a very particular point. Maybe with some of you, you have never heard such a phrase, praying Christ. You heard about praying to Christ, praying with Christ, or even praying by Christ, but you have never heard praying Christ. This is a... a, uh, a, uh, a a new vocabulary, new uh, 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 that is uh, only used in the Lord's recovery. Just like the matter of living Christ, right? Years ago, when Brother Lee says we have to not only live for Christ, live by Christ, we need to live Christ. We scratch our head. What what are you talking about? Well, Christ wants us to live Him, not just to live for Him. And now, in this matter of burning the incense in our uh, uh, burning Christ as the incense, that we are actually praying him. We are not only praying to him, we are praying him. 
So as we are praying, actually, he was praying. Remember yesterday, we saw that the incense altar signifies the praying Christ, the prayer life of Christ. So now, by, by us now, we come to the incense altar now. We burn the incense, and this incense signifies Christ, and we pray Christ. Let's see what it means. One says, incense signifies Christ with all his merit to be added to the prayers of the saints for their acceptance to God. Remember, um, the, go- the, the, the priest brought the golden censer, which signifies the saints' prayers. Our prayers are the censer, are the vessel, right? Our prayers are not the incense. Our prayers are the vessel. They are the container, that golden censer. And it's filled with fire. And then the priest would add the incense to the fire. The, the incense is Christ as the fragrance for God's, for our acceptance before God. So the incense signifies Christ with all his merit to be added to the prayers of the believers, of the saints. Do you realize when you pray to God, you don't just pray because you have something you want God to answer, to get, to do for you? Or what are you offering? What are you bringing to God? Just something of your thoughts, something of your wants? We have to offer Christ. In this picture of the incense altar, we are offering, we are burning the incense, which is Christ. Christ is the incense. When we pray, there should be the fragrance of Christ going to God to be our acceptance. What we are in ourselves will never be accepted by God. God is looking for this kind of prayer with filled with Christ as the sweet incense for his accept, for our acceptance. This is why in the last 2000 years, God has been waiting for this, for this condition, for this situation to, uh, to, to be arrived by, by his people. Who prays like this? There are millions of people, Christians, praying to God to express what they want, to pre- what they need. But seldom what they express is Christ. It's just out of their own natural being. But here in this picture of the burning of incense, we say we are burning Christ. There's a fire that we experience from the burnt offering altar in the outer court because of, our, because of the, the sacrifice that we experience of Christ. Something of the holy fire is lit in us. And with that fire, we burn Christ in the, at the golden incense altar. Something, the smoke is being produced. Something ascends to God. So when we offer that prayer there, it is not just our prayer. It is actually Christ ascending to God. That's why we say we are praying Christ. We are praying Christ. Number two, to burn incense is to pray Christ, who is the resurrected and ascended one. In the outer court, we experience the crucified Christ at the burnt offering altar. But here in the golden incense altar in the holy place, Christ is the resurrected and ascended one. We burn him. We burn this Christ to be, ex- to be our acceptance to God, the fragrant one. Number three, we should not forget that the incense altar is placed in front of the Ark of the Testimony, covered with a propitiation, propitiatory cover. A. That cover, made of gold, was the place where God met with his people. B, the King James Version describes this cover as the mercy seat, according to Romans 3.25. King James Version used the the term mercy seat to describe this propitiatory cover over the ark. C, it becomes the throne of grace spoken of in Hebrews 4. Verse 16, Paul tells us we to come forward to the throne of grace. So these three things, the propitiatory cover, the mercy seat, the throne of grace, are the same thing, are synonyms. So with respect to propitiation, this lid is the propitiatory cover. With respect to God's dispensation, 
It is the throne of grace. With respect to God's divine administration, it is the throne of authority. So, in location, <clears throat> this incense altar is right next to this ark with the propitiatory cover where the throne of grace is, where the mercy seat is, where also is the throne of God's authority. Many times in the past when I consider praying to God, I still, my, my inner concept is I'm praying to the throne in the heaven. The throne is way up in the heaven. But now in this picture of the praying at the golden incense altar, actually as we burn the incense, the smoke rises to the throne to actually fill the holy of holies with the smoke from the incense. The throne of authority is right there next to the incense altar. It's not, it's not far, far away in the heavens. It's right there in front next to the golden incense altar. Very interesting. That throne is the throne of grace to us, but actually that throne also is the throne of God's authority to execute his judgment, his divine administration. And number four, incense is not for offering, but for ascending. We don't offer incense. We burn incense. As we burn incense, now the incense, the smoke ascends. Something rises to God. With the offerings in the outer court, we offer that to be slain, for the blood to be shed. But now in the holy place at the golden incense altar, we burn the incense and let the smoke rises to God. Something ascending. Every time when we pray at the golden incense altar, we should have a sense that something is ascending to God. Something is rising to God. The incense is not for God to see. It was for him to smell. What does, what does your prayer smell like? Does this, does this smell like something foul, something fleshly, something, something of the natural man, which does not smell that good? God wants to smell, smell the fragrance, the incense offered through our prayers. Since the incense is Christ, genuine prayer is actually a matter of our going to Christ, going to God, through Christ, with Christ, and even as Christ. So actually prayer, strictly speaking, is the incense ascending to God. So genuine prayers is actually our going to God through Christ, with Christ, and even as Christ. So God wants to be so one with us. Even we are not just poor, pitiful men uh, begging God to do something and change something for us. This is, this is often the prayers offered by, by Christians today. Who knows how to offer the prayer at the incense altar? Praying it, through Christ, with Christ, even as Christ. It is this incense, not the saints' prayers, that causes the smoke to rise. So it is not your prayer, no matter how desperate your prayer is, that causes this. It is the incense, which is Christ, that causes the smoke to rise to God. The fragrance of the incense from the golden altar makes God happy and satisfies Him. So now you know our prayer. It's just a vehicle. Our prayers are just a container, a vessel, containing the fire that burns the incense, causing the incense to rise, the smoke to reach God's throne. And when that smoke reach God's throne, God is happy, and God that triggers God's execution of his will. So directly, it's not our prayer. Actually, our prayer is just a means a container to allow Christ to be offered up, to ascend as smoke to God. Number five, when the prayers of the saints ascend to God with the incense of Christ, God executes the policies of his administration. I hope this picture becomes is made very clear to us. 
it is worthwhile to consider this more, praying this matter back to the Lord until we are fully, absolutely clear of what it means to pray Christ. When we come to pray at the incense altar, we don't just pray our wishes, our needs, our wants. We pray Christ, which is most pleasing, most fragrant, most acceptable to God. Okay, we come to this uh, second section. The spiritual significance of the relationship between the incense altar and the expiation silver in Exodus 30, 1 to 16, is that at the incense altar, we pray for the formation of an army to fight for God's move on earth. It is very interesting and meaningful that right after the revelation of the golden incense altar, at the beginning of chapter 30 of Exodus, right after that, Jehovah told Moses to number his people, and not a general numbering, but a particular numbering of those who are 20 years old and above. And everyone who is numbered needs to pay a half shekel of expiation silver. They need to be, they need to be redeemed. This, the silver there is for redemption. But this redemption is not the same kind of redemption experienced by God's people in Egypt. This is an expiation silver to redeem people, not from sin, not from, not from the, uh, uh, bondage of the, uh, 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 of the world. It is to redeem people from the natural man, from the flesh, from the self, from the natural life. This group of people needs, there's a group of people needs to be numbered and 20 years and above with the expiation silver so that they would be qualified to be formed to be an army. So this, this uh, picture is so, is, is so meaningful. Let's go on. He says, the tabernacle signifies God embodied in his chosen people for his move on earth. The tabernacle and everything related to it is for God's move. The prayer at the incense altar is for God's move. Because of all the enemies that oppose God's move, God moves by fighting. Dear saints, whenever there is a move of God, there is also Satan, always active. Fighting, opposing. Do you believe that these days we are just suffering because of the pandemic, because oh, there's all these upheaval, there's all these chaos? We all are suffering. We just can't wait, can, can't wait till this thing passes. Well, I hope by the Lord's mercy that we would be granted to see something. There's something going on behind what is visible to our eyes behind the pandemic, behind all the, all the social chaos, behind all the political struggle, behind all the economic, economic uh, uh, collapse. There is a warfare. There is a struggle, a battle going on between God and Satan. As his lovers, as his seekers, may our eyes be opened these days. There is more going on behind what is visible. And God needs an army who is can be raised up, equipped to fight this spiritual battle. Like Daniel, remember. In Daniel, he was praying. As he was praying for 21 days concerning God's speaking related to uh, 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 the message that he received. But the angel trying to come to him. He was frustrated. He was blocked by the prince of Persia, another evil angel. That was not visible, but he was held back from visiting Daniel for 21 days until another angel, Gabriel, came to, to uh, uh, Michael came to uh, uh, help to, def- to, to, re- to release the blockage so that he can come to Daniel. Dear brothers and sisters, I hope the Lord will sensitize our spiritual sensation to realize that there is a spiritual warfare raging right now. And it's a battle between God and his enemy, Satan. 
and the fighting of this of this battle involves us. Our participation means everything. Are we standing one with God? Are we uh, uh, engaging this battle with God? Then God wins. If we just let this slide and just go along with whatever is happening outside, Satan wins. So here we are. After seeing the crucialness of this incense altar and praying Christ, offering the incense, now the numbering of God's people was initiated. So as a result of our praying at the incense altar, God's army is being formed, is being numbered and formed. This is what is actually what is being prayed for at the incense altar. It's not about your welfare. It's not about your uh, personal uh, uh, matters, but it's about the formation of this army for the fighting of this spiritual warfare, for God's move so that he can accomplish his purpose. Number three, this intercessory prayer issues in the numbering of God's people to form an army to fight against God's enemies who oppose his move, that is, against the rulers and the authorities in the heavenlies, typified by the inhabitants of the good land. Dear saints, we have to realize this, uh, uh, in spite of, you know, we, we thank the Lord for his provision, uh, allowing us to, uh, to meet uh, on the Zoom platform, to speak the, the word, fellowship with one another, to pray with each other, is uh, we, we, we may be satisfied with that. But is God satisfied with this situation? Is there something the enemy is carrying out to frustrate God? what God wants to do? Our blending, the blending among the churches has been much frustrated. And even the full-time training, the preaching of the gospel have been much frustrated. Don't we, shouldn't we have a sense to pray, Lord, he has to come in to do something, to allow his move to go forward. We should not be satisfied with just some mere convenience. We have to touch what is on God's heart. We need to fight. We need to engage in a prayer that that produces this kind of a fighting unit, right? To release God's final uh, 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 operation. Now, B, the spiritual significance of the age of the males qualified to be in the army is that if we would be in the army to fight for God's move, we need maturity. The numbering is not with, gen, is a general numbering. The, gen, the numbering is for those 20 and above, which is a, a, an age of maturity. You have to be mature in order to be numbered. So in order for God's army to be formed. There is the need of growth. There is the need of maturation. Number one, the half shekel of silver to be paid by every male. Sorry, there's a typo there, not make. Every male over the age of 20 signifies that it takes maturity in life to fight the spiritual warfare. In order to be in the army to fight for God's move, we need to be strong in spirit, and grow until we come to the spiritual age of 20. To be transformed is to be changed in our natural life. To be matured is to be filled with the divine life that changes us. God will sovereignly use persons, things, and events to empty us out of everything that has filled us and to take away every preoccupation so that we may have an increased capacity to be filled with him. Dear saints, we need to grow in life. We need to have an hunger. We need to be emptied from all the preoccupying things so that we can seek him. Luke 153 is a, is a, is a, is a wonderful verse that tells us God will fill the hungry with good things. Every morning we need to come to him with an emptied spirit, seeking him. Lord, fill me today. Lord, give me today's grace to grow in you. Give me today's grace. We should learn to offer these simple, short prayers to the Lord. 
knowing that our urgent need today is to grow. In order for him to have the army, we need to be numbered. In order to be numbered, we need to have the proper maturation, the, the, the maturity. So for this, we need, to, we need to grow. And God uses all the situation to help us to grow. So, I mean, even this present uh, limited environment, the pandemic and so forth, are used by God to force us to grow, right? I mean, if you, uh, um, if we are, if we do not overcome, we have to go through the thousand years of uh, discipline. Well, in the thousand years of discipline, the uh, there will be an intense, intense hastening to help you to grow through intense environment. But today, we are still, we while we still have the opportunity. We want to pray to to learn how to grow in Him, and I would say coming to the to take the tabernacle tour every day, coming to the finally arriving at the golden incense altar. Not only you would pray for the growth of others, I believe everyone who takes this tabernacle tour, they themselves grow very much, and I believe even in these last few months, because of many saints participated in this prayer desperately. We grow. I have grown. I believe I have grown something, some, some, some in the Lord. So don't let these opportunities pass by us. All the things that God put us through is sovereign. He wants us to grow and to arrive at maturity. We don't want to be like the Corinthians that Paul says, "I cannot give you solid food. You are still babes. You are still childish, babyish." We want to grow in the Lord. Number two says, in the Lord's recovery today, there is the desperate need of maturity. There is an urgent need for more of us to grow, to reach maturity, and thereby become qualified to be formed into an army. God has been working among us and in his recovery. And in these last close to 100 years, through the ministry of the age, feeding us, supplying us, so that we will not just merely gain some knowledge, but we would grow. God must gain a substantial number of his seekers who have attained to certain measure of the growth in life. Ephesians 4.13 tells us that we should no longer be babes, but that we would be tossed, being tossed about. We need to arrive at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I believe that the churches in the Lord's recovery are arriving at a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We are not fully there yet, but by his mercy, I think we are growing. I believe we are growing. And uh, we have to be cut off, be delivered from all our other seeking other pleasures, other uh, preoccupying things, so that we would allow his life to grow in us each day. Growth is every day. And it's it's not noticeable, but it's there. Every day, we should pray, ask the Lord, give me today's growth. Give me today's growth. Number three, the intercession offered at the incense altar is for the growth and maturity of the believers so that an army can be formed. Surely, the prayer at the incense altar must be praying for our growth. And I believe not only praying for others' growth, the ones who pray such prayers, they themselves will experience the growth. Number four, the more we pray at the incense altar, the more we will realize that that the need for maturity is desperate. And the greater will be the urgency to pray for the growth in life unto maturity. Only when such an army is formed will God be able to move on the earth for his purpose. Apart from an army formed of mature ones, there is no way for God to move. And so, and hence, there is no way for the Lord to come back. So, again, I say, 
uh, like yesterday morning, I, I mentioned, in order for the Lord to come back, there has to be the bride, who is an army, who is the warrior. And in order for the bride to be prepared, the body has to be built up. Whether it's for the bride or the body, there has to be the growth. The body is built up by the growth in life. The, the, the preparation of the bride is related to her growth. So we need to pray for the growth in life, for the saints, for ourselves, right? This is desperate. So this is the kind of prayer we need at the, at the golden incense altar. Uh, okay, let me finish. Uh, this not la- uh, The last section, C, according to the type of the expiation silver, the Christ by whom we fight is the ascended Christ, the Christ in the heavens. One says the half shekel as a heave offering typifies the ascended Christ experienced by God's people and given by them as the expiation silver. It is very interesting that this expiation silver was offered as <clears throat> a as a heave offering. Heave offering signifies the ascended Christ. So this army, these ones who are numbered to be formed as an army, they are being they have to offer the half shekel as a heave offering. They experience not the crucified Christ, not even the resurrected Christ, but the ascended Christ. Today, if we are to be the army to engage in the spiritual battle, we must know what ascension is. We do not fight with the enemy by flesh and blood. We don't just don't go out to do things in a fleshly way to oppose, to, to, to struggle in our flesh. No, we have to know Christ is not only crucified, resurrected, he is now in ascension. Ascension is a matter of position. Resurrection is a matter of condition. It's a life condition. But ascension is a position that is transcendent. Christ today, this spiritual battle is fought, not from the earth, but from the heavens. So if we are to be the army, the warrior, we need to know what ascension is. Every time when we come to pray, to fight the, to, to fight the battle, we have to take our position with the ascended Christ. Thank the Lord, according to Ephesians 2, we are told that we have been made alive together with Christ, raised together with Christ, and now we are even seated together with Christ. Where are we? We are not in Boston, in uh, uh, Lowell, in uh, 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 Connecticut, or wherever. We are not. We are in the heavenlies. We are in ascension with Christ. This is the only position for us to fight the spiritual battle. So whenever, whenever we come to fight, come to pray at the incense altar, let's forget about all the earthly things. Forget about uh, all the, uh, uh, all the worries, all the concerns, all the, uh, uh, all our opinions. We have to join with Christ in the heavenlies, in the ascended position, right? Thank the Lord. On the cross, Christ already won the victory. He has defeated the enemy. Now he is seating in the heavenlies in, in, in his ascension with us as his body, joining him. Right? We must take our position. That's why Isaiah tells us we can actually command the Lord. We can tell the Lord, right? command, because we are one with him. And we learn to pray the prayer of authority. We don't pray by begging. We pray by command. We pray to execute God's authority, to bind, to lose according to what he bound, what he lost in the heavens. So finally, the last point, in order to fight the spiritual warfare, our experience of Christ must reach the highest point. The point where we are seating, seated with him in the heavenlies and are fighting not in ourselves, but in the ascended Christ. Saints, may the Lord gain such intercessors on the earth 
teach us how to pray at the golden incense altar, passing, taking the tour of the tabernacle every day. We can all do this. No one, this is not too difficult, too complicated. Everyone can begin from the bronze altar, the burnt offering altar, and proceed onward to enjoy Christ as the life supply, as the light of life, and eventually to enjoy Christ himself as God's testimony, as God's center. And then we'll be made ready to be such intercessors at the golden incense altar. And then we pray for the formation of the army through the, the God's people's growth in life and through their being prepared to be in the ascended position with Christ, then God will have an army on the earth. Surely Christ will be ready to come back, and he will be happy. He is eagerly waiting for this, that there is such an army prepared on the earth, that he can come back, and he will be, that army, that warrior, will be the bride who will marry him, and as a, as the, uh, uh, honeymoon, right after the marriage, Christ and the bride will come back as the warrior to fight against Satan and the Antichrist. Dear saints, I believe we are at this point of history. So it is not a small thing for us to see the prayer at the golden incense altar. A question may have maybe in your mind to say, well, it's so high. This, this matter of praying at the golden incense altar is so high. I'm, I, am, I, I, I still have a lot of things I, I'm concerned about. What about my study? What about my, uh, uh, my health? What about my, uh, uh, all my practical needs? Well, dear brothers and sisters, it doesn't mean that we cannot and we should not be praying for those things. When you take the Papineco tour, you enter into God and God enters into you. You are one who is in God and God is in you. You are one who is full of Christ. Within you, your main concern is about God's interest. It's about God's move. Yes, we have our daily needs. We cannot forget that. But within our heart, our main concern is for God's purpose, is for God's interest, for what God wants to carry out. So at times we do pray, Lord, take care of my health. But even when I take care of, pray for my health, I have, I'm not have, I, I don't have my health in mind. My health is for the Lord. My, my, all my practical needs are for the Lord, are for the Lord's interest. It's not just so that I can be healthy, I can be rich, I can be successful, I can be, but that, that is not, that doesn't mean anything. You know, I was reminded in John 6, the Lord taught his disciples to pray, right? Father, your name be sanctified. And your kingdom come, your will be done. This is very high prayer. But then he also taught us to pray for our daily bread, that we would forgive others, that we would not be tempted into te fall into temptation. This is something very practical, very in our daily life. Well, and then later on in the same chapter, the Lord says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to us. So as we are praying for God's interests, we believe God will take care of us. God will take care of all our practical needs. But yet, in, in the prayer that he taught us, he did ask us to mention that. Mention about our daily bread. Mention about our temptation. It is okay to pray about these practical things. But even in praying for these practical things within us, we are filled with Christ. We are filled with the concern for his interest, for what he desires. Our health, our welfare are not for ourselves. We live our life on the earth for God's interest, right? So may the Lord have mercy on us. I hope that the Spirit will speak much more than what I can utter here. But I just want to say there is so much, uh, even through passing these two messages, that will require us to spend time before the Lord, and uh, uh, I would just encourage you to uh, <clears throat> take the tabernacle tour every day, every day. 
and um, um, uh, you know uh, <clears throat> the upcoming training uh, video tra uh, video training will be on the on the crystallization study of the book of Jeremiah and lamentation in the Old Testament. <clears throat> in Jeremiah, we are shown that God is a tender-hearted God, full of tender-heartedness for his people. He knows our condition. He knows that we are sinful, we are weak. And the prophet Jeremiah sympathized with God, and he also was full of compassion, even weeping for God's people. And he was sent by God as his overcomer to visit his people and drawing his people back to himself as the fountain of living water. God is a righteous God. He has to carry out his judgment. But yet at the same time, he is drawing us back to himself. It's a wonderful book that we'll be going into, especially in this hour. I surely encourage many saints will take this opportunity to uh, uh, participate in this training, to be infused with this tender-heartedness of God, that we can be even made ready to grow in him a little bit more, to be made ready by him a little bit more, to be formed to be an army, that we can uh, uh, welcome, be, uh, we, can, we can be prepared to welcome his return, to consummate this age. May the Lord be merciful and gracious to us. Praise the Lord.